Welcome to Drop the Hammer. Today is Tuesday, March 26, 2019. I'm Teddy Radquist, and my co-host, who got 15 of his 16 in the Sweet 16, Ben Sheeran. What's going on, Ben? Hey, what's going on, Ted? Yeah, that's a, that was a surprising uh, feat that I had over the weekend, despite uh, my lack of success in the Eliminator Challenge here. I've been able <laughs> You're pretty solid in the uh, in my bracket so far. Still not winning one of my groups, though. I uh, didn't have as good of a first round as I was hoping to. You went you went out on a limb with uh with your Virginia pick. Virginia getting to the title game. I mean, I think that's either that's either gonna make or break your back your bracket right there. I think so too. In Texas Tech uh, going to the Final Four is another one, but I've been good so far. Uh, I picked uh, pr- three pretty good upsets. I had Liberty winning. I had uh, UC Irvine and Oregon. So those uh, three pretty solid upsets. Marquette was the death of me. John Moran absolutely killed my bracket. So in that sense, yeah, the, the only one of those three I got. Uh, the only one of those three I got was Oregon. And uh, let's get into into some actual NASCAR now. Here, what the what the people actually came to hear us talk about. You know, just the absolute dominance by by Brad Keselowski, you know, sweeping all three stages. But what I did like to see was the last 120 laps or so. He he got quite a push from Chase Elliott there. Yeah, it was. Uh, I mean, for a guy who led 440 something laps, it was it was a pretty fun race, in my opinion, to watch. I mean, it seemed like he wouldn't really he wasn't really able to check out the last, you know, restart. Anyone. So it was a it was a good race for the last half of it, but yeah, surprising uh, top five by Chase Elliott, guy who struggled throughout uh, his first top five and third top five this year for Chevy. So um, it was interesting to see Chase Elliott kind of rise to the occasion and uh, get a good get a good result. And you know maybe that's what we're gonna see out of Chase. Maybe he's just gonna have to fight and scrap for every little uh, bit and piece on the mile and a half, but. On short tracks, we might see him get a couple this year. That's my, that's maybe how he's going to have to do it um, to be competitive in the points uh, standings this year. Yeah, I could, I could absolutely see that. the The short tracks seem to be a, a really good spot for him, and a guy that has had a lot of success in Martinsville, and he was even still pretty successful this past weekend. Clint Boyer. I mean, it was his twenty seventh start in his career at Martinsville, and it was his sixteenth top ten. He finished seventh, but. He he killed himself with two speeding penalties there, in um in the second and third stages, and that sent himself to the back twice. And he was able to work his way up to up to the near the front again. But Clint Boyer would be one of my losers of the weekend in the sense that he was running well. I thought he had a top three car, but it was just shooting themselves in the foot more than once. Oh, for for sure. Um, and Denny Hamlin's another guy who I would consider a loser because he had another good car and even though he kind of made his way back up there he really he looked like he probably could have had a car that could tend with Kyle Busch and, and Chase Elliott there so yeah I think you saw the speeding penalties and it was just really difficult to pass that's that's just what this um whole new engine package is it's really difficult to pass and yes you almost have to wreck a guy to move him out of the way, which is which isn't good. I think in Bristol it's, it might escalate. So um, it, it, it's interesting. It did provide some close racing. So was, oh no, I'm I'm still the jury's still out, and I'm still iffy on the uh, the new rules package right now. Right, I'm I'm 
sounds like in a very similar boat to you. I'm still trying to decide where I stand on it because, like you said, it it is tough to really, really make a move on someone to get that momentum you need. But I do enjoy the closer racing. Um, so we'll see here. What do you, what are you looking for going into Texas here? Um, right now looking for Texas. I think it's going to be really tough to pass. Um, yeah. Auto club, auto club kind of, uh, you know, kind of, kind of missed on that one. I thought it'd be another race. So it'd be tough to pass, but, um, I think Texas is going to be really, really tough, especially if you can't, if it's difficult to close in on someone's bumper, um, just with the repave, it's just a one, one dirt racetrack right now. So you really have to get, you know, timing out and get those runs on the straightaway. But, um, yeah, I, I think you're going to see guys struggle with pass, and I think track position is going to be everything in this race. Right, yeah. And something that is something we discussed, you know, earlier earlier this year, you know, a few shows ago, and it's starting to heat up again, is the topic of more schedule changes coming up. One thing that, you know, when we discussed this in the past, I said how I would really prefer to see the Daytona 500 you remain as the season opening race. I like the 500 where it is. Another thing I I would be hesitant to change. I like a lot where it is. Is I like the season finishing at Homestead. So I I don't want to see him move it out of Miami. What What do you think? What have you heard about some possible schedule changes for next year or in the next couple of years? Yeah, I think the hot rumor right now is that uh, Phoenix is going to get the season finale, which. You know, I I'm, I don't know how I feel. I'm I'm kind of like you. Right. I do like that it's kind of a unique track. Um, you know, a bunch of guys have been able to run well, and it usually changes from year to year. Um, but and then the other one is they they've talked about it before, but doing a double header maybe in Pocono, um, running a Cup race Saturday and running a Cup race Sunday, which would be good. Um, they've done that in IndyCar at at our home track in Detroit, they've done mm-hmm. that years in a row. And I think it'd be a little bit interesting. Um, the way th- things are going right now, it wouldn't be too much of a challenge just because guys have, haven't been, you know, just wrecking each other or there's not as been a, as many crashes. Um, but I think it's an interesting concept thinking about, you know, tracks where maybe the racing isn't the best. Um, instead of, you know, maybe – uh, not giving two weekends to you know Pocono, Michigan tracks that might have been struggling. I think it'd be interesting to see double headers, how that would work. Um, it could be an interesting concept. I'm behind that one. Yeah, I I would not mind seeing some some new ideas like like the double headers, cool, or even possibly the idea of like like a Friday night cup race or something like that. I mean, just switching it up a a little bit without making you know drastic written in stone changes that you know really alter the sport just trying new things and if it works hey you can embrace it yeah i mean even if they do um end up trying double headers i think it's not going to be a a logistics problem for the teams i mean there's the short track guys can do them and they have nearly not as much of a budget as these cub guys right i i think it'd be great I think just the important thing in NASCAR, I think they're realizing it with all these rumored potential changes. They they just can't have the season go 
far past Labor Day because when the NFL gets into it, you're you're going to get killed ratings wise. Yeah, wise is going to go down. So I think they they realize that important change and they and they're doing everything they can to uh, try and end the season earlier, but also create new exciting things for the fans. You're right. I mean, it's it's very very difficult to to compete with the NFL and. Even though the games aren't on Sundays, I mean, you have college football going on then too, which is almost as big as the NFL. So when you get into October, November there, when NASCAR's wrapping up and football is in full swing, it, it is really difficult, you're right, to, to get, you know, just people's attention because, you know, a lot of NASCAR fans are, you know, diehard SEC fans too. So, I mean, it that's that's a very good point. I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. Who, who, are you, who are you going with as your winner here at Texas? Um, Texas, I'm going to go with uh, Kevin Harvick. I think uh, he was good last year. Uh, obviously, he finished second in the, uh, in the spring race, won the fall race. Um, I think I think he's been having a good year. You know, he hasn't won yet, but um, he's been having a really good year so far, and I think this is the week he uh, breaks in for victory lane. I'm going to go with the guy we discussed earlier, and it's it is going out. It's a little bit of a risky pick. I'm going to take Chase Elliott to get the win here. And my, my eliminator, I'm going to go with Daniel Suarez. Um, I got Eric Jones on my eliminator. Jones really hasn't had a good year so far, but Texas is one of his better tracks. He got his first Xfinity win uh, there last year and had a couple good run, uh, solid runs in the Cup Series last year. So uh, I think Eric Jones I'm going to take as my eliminator. I'm going to look and see if I can maybe sneak a top five finish out of him this week. Yeah, you're right. Eric Jones has not had a, a very good year so far for Joe Gibbs, and and that really surprises me. I actually had the pleasure. I met Eric at, at Little Caesars Arena over the winter for, a, you know, just um, you know, a meet and greet he was doing there with some member of the Red Wings, and he was a guy I was I was really high on coming into the season, but he he hasn't quite got it going yet. No, he really hasn't, and I think some stuff that's out of his control, kind of like cut tires, you know, incidences and that stuff. Cause I think he had a bumper cover or something fall off and uh on Martinsville and then he had uh he had a cut tire with an inch and Larson. So I think even then I really don't, you know, remember him being in the top ten that much. I mean he's not really been doing well so far. And like you said, I mean, he was a guy that one of those young guys that I thought would take the next step uh kind of doing what Ryan Blaney is doing right now and really yeah. start reeling in the top five. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, Ryan Blaney, the 25-year-old Ohio native, he's he's starting to put together a season here, and he he is looking like he could be that that driver from the young group of, you know, Blaney, Elliott, Bubba Wallace, Eric Jones, all these guys that's really starting to separate himself from, you know, a guy with some potential to a guy that's having – some real on-track success because he's had some top fives, some top tens. Blaney's really impressing me with how he's been running lately. Yeah, Blaney seems to be turning into a guy almost like his uh, his mentor, uh, Brad Keselowski. He almost seems like one of those guys that can run well just about anywhere. Um, he, he was sneaking his way up there at Martinsville. So, um, yeah, re- really the only thing he hasn't done right now is win, but uh, – I think this week, uh, I think this week, I wouldn't be surprised if the 12 car ends up in victory lane too. He was pretty close last fall. So. Yeah. 
And, you know, just going back to finish touching on Eric Jones, this is part of the beauty of the playoff format. And I guess some people don't like it about the playoff format, but it is what it is. All he needs is one win. And, you know, we got plenty of time. He can just get one win, get in the playoffs, and then we know Eric Jones has the equipment and the talent to to make a move from there. It's just do what you got to do to get in first and foremost. Yeah, yeah, I I agree. He's uh right now he only has one top five and two top ten, so he's he's got okay numbers, but um yeah, right now he's uh kind of on the the border of the playoff bubble right now, which is something you wouldn't expect out of the Joe Gibbs racing camp. But even then, like Truex has had the same problems too. He really has been a non-factor early on in the season, so it'll be interesting to see how these guys are able to uh, pick it up as the uh, as the year keeps going on. Yeah, and Truex, it, I I think he's kind of had a similar situation where Eric Jones, where it's, like you said, some factors outside his control. And I know you kind of had a, like a little This Week in History segment related to Casey Kane and Texas Motor Speedway that you wanted to, to touch on. Yeah, so um, it'll end up being next week, but uh, going to Texas, uh, This Week in History, about 15 years ago at Texas in the spring race, Elliot Sadler beat Casey Kane 2004 by half a car length. But that poses the question, we want to start talking a little bit more about the NASCAR history. What your opinion is on Casey Kane? Because, you know, Casey Kane was very highly regarded, almost like a Kyle Larson or or Chase Elliott is uh, when he was younger and as a rookie, but really never kind of panned out to the cup champion or, you know, consistent championship uh, contender like everyone thought. So I, I want to hear your thoughts, uh, Ted, before uh, I kind of prove mine. Yeah, and that was a that's a classic finish from 2004 that we can we can all remember that one and Casey Kane that's you're exactly right he he was kind of like the Kansas City Chiefs of NASCAR in my mind or the the Michigan State basketball of NASCAR in my mind he was a guy that was always really good would would be there but you're right he never quite won the championship or something he would he would get close but never quite get it done so very very good driver I was you know, bummed to see him step away. I, I enjoyed him, but that was kind of how I'll remember him. Very good, not quite elite. Yeah, I, I agree. I think he's, you know, I think he's middle of the pack type guy. I don't know. I, I don't I don't imagine we're going to see his name in the Hall of Fame quite. I wouldn't think so either. I think he might end up getting in, but, I mean, he really, I don't know. He's got... He's got a brickyard, I believe, and a uh, I don't even know if it has a brickyard, but he's got he's got the the Coke six hundred. He's won an all star race, but mm-hmm. yeah, it's it's interesting to see because he almost you know overperformed at Everham Motorsports, and it looked on early on in his career, uh, 2013, that he was going to go to Hendrick and win a championship, but it never really panned out after the chase in 2013 so I, I agree with you i think he should be regarded as good i don't think he should should be a bust i mean he won almost 20 races so you know that's that's 20 more than i've done and you know that's that's a pretty difficult uh mark to reach but uh yeah i, I agree he I don't think he quite lived up to his hype, though. Right. Like, one thing that I think will surprise a lot of people, and I don't have the exact numbers off the top of my head, but I know they're close, is how close Casey Kane's 
win total is in his career to Dale Earnhardt Jr.'s. He's not far behind Dale Jr. Uh, I think he's a little bit far behind. I think Jr. actually has almost 30 wins in his career. So I think they, I think Kane's about 10 behind uh, Jr. But... Yeah, I think Jr.'s at like 28 or 29. And if Kane's at like the low 20s, so he's, you're right, maybe maybe six to eight behind him. So it's it's maybe closer than some people would think it is. Yeah, I just looked it up. He's got 18, so I okay. think Junior on the So probably about 10 behind him, yeah. Yeah, um, but I think they both kind of had similar career tra- trajectories, though. They started off really hot commodities and then, you know, stuff, whether it was out of their control. I know a lot of people, you know, talk about maybe uh, senior passing away, a kind of hurt development of DEI in the later years. Um, Casey Kane, I don't know, had, you know, him going to Hendrick, and he apparently got the lesser of the cars, but, uh, you know, he he really was solid throughout his career. It wasn't after, you know, after his rookie season, he he only had one winless season in 2010 uh, up to 2014. So, I mean, he was consistently winning a couple races, but, yeah, like, I, I think 2013 and even 2012, he could have definitely been a, a stronger contender for the championship, and he just ended up just couldn't put things together. Right, and definitely not a bust, Casey Kane. But I would like to, if you have some names too, throw them out there. But I'd like to throw out a couple names at you, and feel free to tell me if I I consider these people busts generally, and you could tell me what you think of them. All right. Mm-hmm. Okay, I've got a. I've got two two women on here, so I'll, I'll start off with the women. I've got Danica Patrick. Even though I like Danica more than it seems a lot of people did, you know, the success just was never quite there. But, you know, she made a lot, a lot of money in her career, so good for her. And then, you know, you brought up Ray Everham. How about Aaron Crocker, you know, his former truck series driver that is now Aaron Everham. He ended up, you know, Jeremy Mayfield spilled the beans on their affair and everything, so... Patrick and Aaron Crocker would be two busts for me. And then another guy that would be a bust, he started with a bang. He's kind of a one-hit wonder. Trevor Bang went in the 2011 Daytona 500 at 20 years old with Wood Brothers and then just faded away. Yeah, I think I think you got some good lists of names. I think Danica, Danica, I think she definitely should have had some higher finishes. You know, maybe... Maybe she wouldn't have won some races, but she should have definitely been competing up there with just the equipment she had at Stuart Haas. Right. You've seen, you saw Eric Almavola last year, despite, you know, Stuart Haas having an incredible season. Like, he already had more top top tens in that car in one season than she did in her entire career in the 10. Right. Um, I definitely agree with that. Eric Crocker, for sure, she was a hot commodity. Uh, in the ARCA series. I'm surprised she actually didn't win a race in the ARCA series, but I I think, yeah, some of the personal relationship stuff that she uh, she got into maybe kind of derailed her career, but also maybe she was kind of rushed up in trucks and, and the Bush series too uh, too soon. I think, uh, I think she might have been served uh, more by maybe doing a full-time ARCA stuff before going into the Bush series. Cause that's kind of how it worked back there. They called it um, the ABC program. You go ARCA Bush, then cup. Um, so I think that, and then Trevor Bain, absolutely. Um, I, I, I still think he had talent, but he really, kind of, he, he kind of, 
A, I think he was kind of derailed a little bit still with that Lyme disease he had in 2011 because he really, I mean, he was able to regain nationwide series rides, but it kind of broke his momentum, I think, as a prospect. Um, and then, you know, I think he was also a product of Roush, them kind of uh, really digressing uh, throughout the last few years. So I think, I think you got a good solid list of prospects and, uh, I think for next week's uh, next week's show, I'll share some three busts, and uh, I already got some guys in mind that it would be fun to uh, bring them up and talk about. Sounds good, man. We're looking forward to it. Ben, appreciate the time, man. We'll talk to you all next time on Drop the Hammer.